Psalm 69, 1-5 To the choir master, according to lilies, of David Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? O oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Anti-Folly. My name is Sam Kynkin. I'm joined here today with Ethan Sampson. Um, yeah, today's <clears throat> today's our final episode. Um, not sure what the title is going to be yet, but right now we have it uh, just Fiend. Um, this is the end. How are you feeling, Ethan? So it's a little sad, man. A little, bit, it's a little yeah. sad. The uh, the date of this recording is. Um, the December graduation. So I just had my mm-hmm. um, graduation and uh, yeah, this is kind of that cherry on top, that sort of end of ends recording this late at night in the buildings. It's just that sort of vibe. So yeah. it's one of your last official acts really as a student here is this right now. It's probably the last time you'll set foot in the buildings as a student. Definitely the podcast room, bro. Yeah. Fitting really. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been a while since we recorded last. Uh, I'm not trying to make this sound terribly depressing, but it's just we sound so depressed right now, bro. Way. No, no, things are on the up right now. You know, we're just we're just going through it right now, and you know, but in all seriousness, uh, we're planning on making this our last episode, and um, yeah, so there's no title yeah. yet. There's no number. There's no season. There's no restart. There's no return. There's this is it. This, no is, re- this is the end. That's right. The end. Yeah. That might be the title. That'd be good too. Yeah. And I think we'll get into that, but I think first we just really kind of wanted to cover uh, the ant- the ground and the, the news in anti-folly just com- coming before um, r- the recording of this episode. So um, I think we only attempt, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but I think we only attempted to cor- attempted to record one other episode that we were unable to I'll tell the story. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell the correct. story because this is my fault. I want to say <laughs> up front that this is all my fault. So I just apologize in, in advance. So I think there's a lot of drama maybe we could talk about kind of leading up to this. But essentially um we, we, I feel like we made it. We peaked as anti-folly and what that meant was we had got engagement from people that disagreed. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to any of the anti-folly episodes up before uh, this point, you're aware that this is what we were hoping to have engagement on campus, to have dialogue, all that stuff. And it happened and we were able to meet with two um, very sweet and kind ladies, Amy and Emily. Mm-hmm. And they came in here, they sat in the podcast room with us, and we had a great over an oh, hour Amazing long, conversation, yeah. just dialogue. Yeah. Real, actual yeah. dialogue. And it was it was great. 
mm. like felt amazing. I think both parties, we were all like, this is, this is good content. This is covering all the bases we wanted. And this was like the conversation, like we were able to, yeah. to, yeah, get down to the, the nitty gritty of it mm -hmm. and, um, and to then, be able to present each other's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, we were able to speak about the gospel. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then he deleted it. <laughs> yeah. I deleted <laughs> it. Dude, bro. <laughs> and it wasn't a malicious thing. I feel mm -hmm. so bad because it was such a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I literally just misread this thing. I thought I was formatting to export the the data, but I was actually reformatting the the disk, the SD card, and it wiped it, yep, and it's gone forever. It is, yeah. But um, we were able to have that conversation, and I I'm sad that it can't couldn't be posted. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that was it was fruitful, and it showed uh, at least to us that were present that it's possible, yeah. and uh, it was it was encouraging there. So. Um, that was unfortunately missed. Mm -hmm. It was. Um, it would have been a great episode. It, it had to do with these kind of a, opposing views on what justice is. Um, it came out of some controversy around some things a particular person said me uh, in the Calgary House episode on the po podcast episode on Calgary House. Yes, that's um, right. And it it was a great conversation. I think it illuminated the kind of two opposing sides and views around justice, um, different interpret different interpretations of the gospel. And really kind of, it really, what it really did a good job of kind of showing was like, here's Ethan and, and my eyes worldview as, as reformed Christians. Mm -hmm. And here's world, the worldview of what um, kind of is this general, um, a common opinion um, at Bethel and things like that. And it was a really civil conversation and it was just, it was very fruitful. And yeah, it's a shame. And Ethan, I well, forgive you. And Thanks, it's, bro. I it's an L, that. but... It is what it is, you know? Yeah, it is. Seriously, no. So we, we just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, we had made attempts to re-record more episodes, and it just fell through. Life yeah. got busy. Um, and, you know, now that one of us is going to be on campus, the other isn't, I have things going on myself. Um, it just, it seems fitting that tonight would be would be the end yeah. of the podcast episode. Um. So, yeah, and I think it's good to dwell on that for a little bit here. Mm -hmm. When we started Anti Folly, we were hoping to have that engagement on campus. I think we saw um, just things that we wanted to speak into mm -hmm. on campus. We we've talking spoken about the Bethel Covenant. That's a big part of people are always joking about that mm -hmm. around Bethel and um, other sorts of cultural big topics talk about the gospel, talk about church, what that is, all those sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. Wanted to really develop our thoughts on different topics. And I think um, this has given us the outlet and the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and we're thankful if anyone listens. But really, our goal was to, I think in a lot of ways, was for us to grow and develop and yeah. learn this process. And I think we have done that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're this doesn't mean the end of this type of thing mm -hmm. but uh it would have to be some sort of reboot some sort of fortnite og map type uh, situation you know, chapter five <laughs> no lego fortnite update might be coming out soon that would that would know? be like the difference is like going from mm -hmm. battle royale fortnite to like lego fortnite yeah. that would be like the anti-folly mm -hmm. to the yeah yeah that that's that's a good analogy there 
<laughs> I think we covered that then, huh? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I just, I think you covered it really well where I think obviously we, we sought out to kind of develop a, an environment and to speak into what we saw as a lack of conversation around important issues at Bethel. Um, and I think the failed episode is an example of us being successful in that. Um, I think there's been other moments where we've had interactions. We've had people listening to podcasts. We've had conversations outside of the podcast room about things that have been said in this booth. And overall, I think, um, things, I think it was a success in that regard. Um, yeah. and I think also just in developing personally, I think, I mean, looking back at like sophomore year where I was as a person versus now where I'm at as a person is very different. Um, now kind of exiting my, my last, my entering my last semester of my senior year, you're just freshly graduated. Um, for lack of like a better word, I feel like we, at least for me, I went from like very cage stage, like newly Christian. I just gotten baptized earlier that April, literally yeah. when we started and just a new Christian and then transitioning from that to becoming more mature and older, at least I hope so. Would you maybe just describe what cage, the cage stage, yeah. the caginess, what that really kind of means or how, how that was for you? Yeah. Um, I think it's really common, especially amongst men, um, that become Christian. It's kind of the stage where you feel like you're trapped. You're, you're like trapped in this cage and you feel like you have to go out and you have to argue, you have to go fight all these things that are wrong, right? This isn't truth. This isn't truth. This isn't truth. This isn't Christian. This isn't Christian. This isn't biblical. You go out attacking each and every single one and you spend all of your time in these different fights. And that becomes a part of your like Christian identity. Um, that's obviously not good. Not to say that there's not a time when you should go and fight. We should pick up our sword. The Bible tells us to do that. Um, but there's a time and a place. And I definitely was at a, more of a place where I was for I was I was engaging in argumentation just for the sake of argumentation a lot of times. And I I wasn't building myself up as much as I should have been. Um, mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've been more more careful about especially with the podcast. Like I want people to listen to me to hear what I'm actually saying rather than just saying the right thing and no one no one caring. Right. Yeah waiting till it really matters in class before I speak up and then speaking up and then people actually care what I say. And even, and if they don't, then they just don't. It's, and that's, that's sad, but it's what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, I would think yeah. about it in this way. You have, when it's the cage stage, you're in the cage and you feel like everybody's coming out to get you. Everyone's your op, mm -hmm. your opponent trying to from this way and that way. But especially because you're a new Christian, that sort of thing what you're really doing is you're you're playing defense mm -hmm. by playing offense. You're being aggressive towards everybody because you know that you could go any which way if you didn't defend. So I think that's that there's that good part to that. Mm -hmm. But I think as you start to settle your footing and you start to see where you're at and where others are at, you start to realize, like you were saying, am I just having the argument to win mm -hmm. the argument for myself and what is actually best for the people that I'm speaking to. It's actually me being more tactful, um, 
this is a word not everyone loves, but winsome <laughs> in how I go about it. Mm-hmm. I think that stuff is legit. Yeah. And um, I think that is maybe the general tenor for us. Mm-hmm. I would say for myself also is how you go about things is trying to have that winsomeness mm-hmm. and that thoughtfulness because there's so much that you could fight over. You got to know when and where you have to fight where you um, where and where it's best, honestly, mm-hmm. um, to be the most strategic about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what this, I think this podcast has been really helpful in is really just focusing in on those issues and, and being it not just intellectual about it, but also like spiritual about it and really seeking after the truth and how we address those things. And, um, yeah, like, like I've been saying, like this, I think this is an interesting, like, honestly, like historical document of ourselves kind of showing that development. At least I hope it shows it. Um, and yeah, just to reflect on it, these conversations that we've had as a result of podcasts have been great. Um, and kind of in developing our own views and learning how to convey those views and develop as a person and how we talk about these issues. Um, I think it's been a success, not obviously that I should be complacent. I still have a lot of growth to do still, but in terms of where I was for me personally, I, I think there's been a great improvement and I'm happy about that. And I'm really thankful that, that God has been able to kind of build up that in me. Um, I don't know about you, when you first met me freshman year, I was probably very abrasive. Like, this guy just wants to argue about politics and religion and doesn't care about what people think at all. That, Yeah, and maybe it's more uh, an internal sort mm-hmm. of thing, you know? Yeah. Because it's like you were saying, it's not as much about what, oh, like, oh, you're having less conversations about theology and politics it's like no but it's how you're having the Mm -hmm. conversations and um yeah i just think of some people i have had classes with and things that yeah they're like i think they're right on some things but it's the way they go about it and even sometimes the way in which we talk when we talk in such a way that we're trying to flex our knowledge to show that we're academic especially in like a a Bethel sort of environment, I would say that's something that I've tried to move away from personally and something that I find to be really kind of despicable sometimes is like when people are just trying to flex. Like, It's cringe. Yeah, even if they're right, I just... It's cringe. It is cringe. It's really cringe. It's like, why are you talking like that? Because... I, we have friends, we know people even from church that they're just that smart. They oh, just yeah. think like that. They're just, they're just you, like um, insanely smart. And yeah. Yeah. That's they sound, just how they, they always like talk. Book. They sound like a book right now. They sound like they're the yeah. philosopher, but they're not doing it because they're trying. They're just that freaking smart. They're soaked in that. Yeah. But then, and this is maybe stereotyping, but I think generally for the undergraduate student, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. You're just not a professor. And uh, I don't know. I'm going off on that right now, <laughs> but you know, I just think about that sometimes. You know, and maybe um, it also shows a bit of a lack of humility sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which is too bad. Also, yeah. But I think maybe 
it's good. We've talked about talked some about you know ourselves as individuals, but really to consider kind of Bethel as a whole, yeah, and the developments and changes. When we came in here, when there's COVID and stuff, but really, how has Bethel changed? Mm. What's the future of Bethel? What are yeah? What are, yeah? What are your thoughts on that, bro? <laughs> Dang, that's a that's a pretty big question. Um, yeah, this is something I've been wrestling with. Um, is kind of these like these three criticisms um, I've always had for Bethel, and I I've, I think I've done a good job expressing those in various episodes. Um, that's one. You have a, a general lack of of genuine re- religiosity. Um, when I say that, I'm meaning there's there's a there's a real lack of like actual Christians and actual Christianity really being professed and practiced here. It's a lot of surface level. You have a lot of verbiage. Um, we just went to graduation, and one of the speakers literally said like, you know, truth seeking courageous christianity or something like that she she hit Mm -hmm. every single buzzword she could possibly hit in her speech to describe her christianity and i could tell that it meant zero like it just didn't mean anything to me i i'm not maybe she's being genuine i'm not gonna like divulge into that too much but that kind of vibe right like what we've referred to as like christianity tm this kind of like very materialistic christianity this christianity is that there's people walking around with like jesus loves you shirts um people are just superficially smart nice to people to each other things like that um that's one of the prime kind of uh issues that we have uh the kind of the second one is also just this sort of sort of lack of like committedness to like truth seeking um kind of adding to that like lack of people like actually seeking out the truth and things um kind of repeating myself but you have people that use things like buzzwords and things like that. And then you actually get to the bare bones of it and you have conversations with the professors, you have conversations with other students and it's like, wow, there's really nothing there. There, we're not having a deep conversation. You think you are, but we're not kind of think back to like mm-hmm. when, I don't know if remember a while back, there's like this professor that went out and did like, yeah, what are issues facing the evangelicals today and politics and, and pastors. And he went to like, his denomination and like three of the most liberal denominations in America and only spoke with one person from each church. And he did it all on sabbatical, which is like four months. And that, that was his research. And he's like, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm not sure about bipolarism. What? <laughs> like, I'm, it's just like, yeah, there's, it's just that general um, vibe of just, the, is there that objective truth? Yeah. Is that out there? And uh, especially as Christians, <laughs> we should really hold firmly to that. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, that's one of Bethel's big emphasis is on truth seeking. And we've said this a lot. This is like our kind of anthem is like, <laughs> if we're truth seekers, let's be truth seekers, mm-hmm. really. And uh, I think the vibe usually in classes and things was... No, we're not. Uh, or actually not encouraging that real truth seeking. Mm-hmm. And when you start to get on that too much, um, yeah, it's just disruptive to class or mm-hmm. that sort of thing, oh, which is too bad. Yeah. And also, I guess, uh, sorry. I was just going to ask you what that third one was. Yeah. So I guess the third one. Um, then we can go back through them maybe. Yeah. So basically you have one, this kind of false sense of like Christianity 
And two, you have this false sense of truth seeking. And the third one to me is really just this lack of, of, of serious conversations. And I kind of touched that in truth seeking, but also just people don't want to have conversations generally speaking. Um, it's super, I just, people don't have card conversations. Um, and that's, that's not necessarily specific to Bethel. I think that's specific oh. to everywhere. Um, but it's really sad because I think Bethel wants to be a place where they do that. And I think that a lot of those PC different wanting to be, you know, open for everyone, wanting to be welcoming for everyone, wanting to be kind of not an explicit denomination, all of these things has kind of made it so that, and we've said this all many times, like, you know, kind of meaning nothing then, right? They're not, they're not standing for anything. They're not stating any objective um, it's just kind of this general Christianity that's not very specific and not very attached to like the gospel necessarily. Yeah, let me um yeah give a little maybe defense. Yes, because I think um what's hard about such a large institution is that you have uh, such a varied amount of experience mm-hmm. and also. Uh, the perception of Bethel is different. Uh, I guess that's what I just said. But mm-hmm. uh, for example, uh, alumni, the board of trustees, and those sorts of things, they have a they have a conception of what Bethel is like, which is kind of classical Christian, mm-hmm. encouraging all those things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my, the friends I've talked to and physics and that sort of place those sorts of places it sounds like their professors are gen are like legitimately mm-hmm. christian mm-hmm. doing devotions with them encouraging them like speaking about the gospel that sort of thing but it, then you get into like some of these humanities and some of these like other places um biblical and theological studies where i had my degree and uh you you start to learn no that's not that's not really the tenor of what's going on. And it's more um, just along the lines of culture uh, and academics at large, which is a reject, a postmodern view, which rejects truth. So there's no truth seeking then. And um, it, it minimizes Christianity um, and takes out the, the supernatural really. Mm-hmm. out of a lot of it also um, in order to make it agreeable to academic life. So I guess I'm saying bad things about it, but I'm also saying um, it's hard. Some people, th- yeah, some people it's really hard. Some people have those perceptions that it's this way or that way. And you know, it's just, it's just hard to know sometimes too. Yeah. Um, and I think you can have a good, that's like the thing I wanted to say was you're talking about like people wearing Jesus loves you shirts and whatever. Mm-hmm. That general nicety that you have. It's not bad. It's not bad. No. But when when the heart is not in those things mm-hmm. as they could be and should be, that's when it's really sad is when you see the people that you know are partying on the weekends or not going to church mm-hmm. and they're wearing the Jesus loves you shirt. It's that sort of thing that's um it's really sad. Yeah. Um to see um but those are the the decisions that those people are making. Yeah. You know, and that's what, there's that bit of it. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's so tough is like, you have the institution, but 
faith isn't something that is on an institutional level. You know, it's not like with the Israelites. The Israelites, if you were a male and you were born and you lived eight days, you were going to get circumcised and you were in. Like, you're in. You're in the covenant. It's like that. And that's that's a, you know, that's a communal generational sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not like, that's not how Christianity is today. And there's that greatness because anybody, no matter their lineage, can come and become a Christian. But that also means that you have people that think that they're in because generationally they their family has been Christian. Mm-hmm. But as an individual, they're not. Yeah, They're not living the life of a Christian. Um, and they don't even if they really were pushed, believe the the essence of being a Christian. And that's too bad also. Yeah. I mean, you. I think you could speak a lot to this um, through reading on Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard. Gosh, I can't talk. But, it's um, good, bro. Hard to spell. <laughs> it is hard to spell. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, that too. Germans. Uh, <laughs> just that general um, issue with, you have an institution, right? It can't, first off, People aren't perfect. Institutions can't be perfect either. Um, and how 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 do you take a religion that's not institutional, like Christianity, and how do you then apply it to an institution while still trying to maintain what is a genuine Christianity and not just a Christian ethos, right? Because, I mean, this, not to open up a can of worms, but my, my general... Um, my gen- general um, issue with uh, like people trying to reestablish Christendom, um, people kind of being in favor of theonomy or theocracy, is that you can't you can't enforce Christianity. You can't have both a Christian like state and also kind of uphold like this perfect sense of genuine Christianity, genuine religiosity. We're at a bit, we're at an institution right now that's professing to be Christian. It's professing to be full of Christians, but it's very apparent that that is not the case. There are plenty of Christians at Bethel and places like this. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you're not you don't have this perfect environment, right? So that's a great point. Yeah, bro. it's it's difficult. Yeah, that's what I've been struggling with is because like I think I had this perspective where it's like, oh, if we just return, right? We return <laughs> to this perfect Christianity. We we, we return to this culture where we were all like based Christians. We were all, we were all reformed. We were all like Calvinists or at least had like an Orthodox view of sexuality or, or something, right? Just anything, anything. And the more, the more I, (laughs) the more I think about that, the more I realize that all I want is just a return to this general Christian ethos. Right. I remember this Babylon B article where it's like, it was making fun of Doug Wilson and said like, uh, people in Moscow, and I'll switch the topic right now. Uh, people in Moscow long for a time when when Americans pretended to be Christian. And when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that that is what it was like back in the day. That was that's what Kierkegaard's conviction was about. Um, the Lutheran church, the Lutheran state church, and different things. That's one of the things that were um, convictions by like Martin Luther, by different groups of people that were even seeking to establish different theocracies and things like that. Is that we want to be a place where people are genuinely Christian. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's, it's the individual. So I guess yep. I've shifted away from wanting to kind of fix these things fully. And maybe I've become a bit apathetic 
at my time at Bethel. But I find the fight with individuals now. I don't find the fight with institutions as much. Obviously, if I'm on Senate, if I'm part of an organization or something that I'm going to seek to make it the most Christian as possible. Sure. That, that goes without saying. However, like if I'm looking at really wanting to like create a Christian institution, I'm going to the individuals first. Um, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I, I'm thinking um, of this distinction, this theological distinction that I think really is helpful here. Um, I think this comes from the reformers, but I could be wrong on this. They talked about um, the invisible and the visible church. Mm -hmm. And the idea is essentially the invisible church is the elect, those that God has chosen for salvation um, and that he is working out salvation in. But the reason it's invisible is because we don't know who those people are. People that are elect, they don't have this certain mark on them in, in any way that we can see. So when we look at everybody, we don't know who's in the invisible church. But we can say who's in the visible church. The visible church just being everyone that is going to church, that's part of the church, all that stuff. <laughs> Apply that to Bethel. You look around at Bethel, and everyone that's here, almost, is professing to be a Christian. They're saying, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. But when you really get into it, you start to realize some of these people really they're just not christians and i think that's hard Mm -hmm. that is really hard and you want to see them be like what the institution is saying that it is you want every part of the institution every individual that is to be a true believer in christ um, and really model those really high ideals that bethel has and you're right we think well we can just change bethel because their theology we don't think is the best, well, then uh, the individuals will follow. But I would think, I've never been on like the campus of a Reformed college mm-hmm. um, or like a more conserv- even more conservative college than Bethel. Mm-hmm. The problem is still the same. And that's because that, of that distinction. Um, and even that's the case. The Puritans talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. And think this way, when they preach, they don't just want to preach to the the person that's the Christian, but they want to preach to the people that aren't Christians because regardless of who is in the room, you could, you know, any Mm -hmm. amount of people, it's totally believable that there could be believers and non-believers sitting there in church every Sunday, Mm -hmm. even though they all say that they're Christians. That's why you still preach the gospel every Sunday and you consider it every day, um, but in those messages, that's, yeah, that's that's their intent because you just don't know that sort of thing. So I, I think you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to think. And that, that would maybe be a helpful way to think about it. And now you, it becomes that more tactful and winsome thing because you're not trying to uproot and change the whole institution <laughs> because you just realize you as a single individual, as a single undergraduate student, you're just a drop in the pond. I felt that way today. I mean, looking out and Benson Great Hall is packed full of people and like there's like over 100 people graduating. You just I just realized, okay, yeah, I'm just like a small little part of this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and that's okay. I mean, there's a, it's a great thing about that. You know, in a way, 
gathering around those sets of ideals. But no, that's true that we just can't live up to that um, sort of thing, which is tough too. So what's what's the action then? What do we do? That's a good question, and I think um, I think that comes down to those little things that we would do that you do that you um like when you're in a class and your professor says this thing Mm -hmm. that's objectionable and you raise that objection you ask that question you were showing to the rest of the class that that there's another way to think about things yeah that sort of thing so there's like those little ways Mm -hmm. but i think um how i how i went and i think probably how you went too was finding that community finding those people that you can say these people are they're in you know like if anyone's in the invisible church if anyone's those true christians mm-hmm. these are the guys you find those guys and you be with them you spend time with them because like this is the ideal of bethel you find those pockets of community um and you encourage each other in the those things because when it's on that individual level when those individuals are only kidding themselves and they're not really a part of what Bethel um, should be, then that's, I mean, that's, there's only so much you can do there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as I reflect on um, my collegiate career, which had the most rocky of beginnings to put it, to put it lightly, uh, talking about my experience at another, um, Liberal Arts College, Liberal Liberal Arts College. Gosh, I cannot speak today. Um, I've just noticed that how how lucky we are at Bethel, how good even the very kind of unfortunate state that Bethel is in right now, just how much better it is than most other colleges right now. Um, I think the fact that that we can sit here and we can we can have a podcast like this and openly affiliate ourselves directly with Bethel and to put up posters to not fear for our safety by expressing these opinions that are orthodox to be engaging conversations in classes and not fear for our social lives very seriously i mean obviously you have the best Bethel cancellation which is just like people are fake nice to you and then don't actually want to be friends but like, which is like what happened anywhere. to me. Yeah. I mean, like what happened to me at my other college is like, I was literally chased off campus and at Bethel, I've been able to actually engage in the conversation I've wanted conversations I've wanted to, and to actually seek truth. You know, as much as I say Bethel itself isn't truth seeking, I think they create an environment where if the right people are there, they will seek the truth. And I think that's important. I think because it's nominally Christian, you're able to go and find that group of Christians here. You're able to find your group of guys. You're able to find a group of fellow Christians that, that you can actually connect with, with that invisible church. And I think I wouldn't have found that necessarily at the other school I was at. Um, and I think that speaks to good that Bethel is doing. For as bad as Bethel might be at times, that it, at the end of the day, provides a place where I was able to find my community. My brother was able to find my community. You were able to find your community. Yeah. All these different people that are that are reformed Christians are able to find people to coexist and live in an institution like this that's not even reformed. 
that speaks a lot to this culture and this sort of freedom environment that we have here. Yeah. I um kind of want to look at it from another angle mm-hmm. and consider what have what have we learned through our um our time here at Bethel that kind of puts light on some of that. Um and I would say because I think um what also has changed is our understanding of what's going on and we've talked about some of that already. Mm-hmm. But I would say uh, personally as I've learned about the context of the world that we're in, like the historical views of things and how we um the impact of the enlightenment um on theology and thought and the way that academics and postmodern thought thinks about the world, views the world, things we've covered talking about critical race theory mm-hmm. and all that stuff, you start to get a picture. You start to frame out the parameters with which a place, even like Bethel as large institution is existing in like, this is the stuff that they're rubbing up against mm-hmm. constantly. And that's just because they're attempting to be a large academic like respectable institution, even uh, as they're trying to remain Christian in the in their covenant and um, the, you know the rejection of homosexual marriage and those sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, which you forget sometimes, honestly, <laughs> like that Bethel would is like explicitly against something like that. Gotta keep it in there for the donors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which goes back to that point. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. Look, we live in a world that's got that's plagued with all these problems, mm-hmm. and it views the the world in a different way than in the past. And you have to wrestle with all those things. And uh, personally, then when I talk with people, especially people that are really bought into that, in one way or the other, um, it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But it um, makes me it makes me think about like a, like Jesus, Jesus, um like uh, i don't remember the exact context of the passage but he's spent a long day healing um and teaching and um yeah this is when this is one of the the miracles of like the fish and the loaves where he looks out in the crowd and he says that he has compassion on them it's like you see those people and you just feel for them because um they're just being inculcated with various ideas that impact them um, one way or the other. Um, But I think that's that those sort of parameters have given me the ability to look at something and to not, and to know where it's coming from. And because you know where it's coming from, it puts you a bit more at ease. And maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know what you think, but um, I think sometimes that's, that's, um, you feel like you just are better in control of things. You kind of know what's going on, the conversation um, in general. Yeah. I don't know what your experience is in that way or things that you maybe feel like you've gotten a better grasp of Yeah, time at Bethel in that way, like ideologically, the mm-hmm. things you're up against, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, ideologically, I think, uh, think that just my widening of knowledge through the different courses I've taken um, 
and getting more deep in like the study of history and, and political science and different different aspects of the humanities um, has really helped to shape and I guess grow my understanding of just how complex things are. Um, I was talking about how like I still want to um, engage in the sort of intellectual work. Uh, I'd love to become a professor one day or something like that. That'd be sweet. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of become not apathetic, but just, I guess, more at peace with the, the fact that I really don't, I don't know everything and I, I can't ever know everything. And I can become a, an expert on this mini aspect of history or something like that. But even the more you dig into that, it, the more complex it becomes. And kind of just through that never ending kind of cycle, um, to me, I guess I've become more humble. At least I feel like I have in my approach to like studying history and studying politics and studying these current event issues as well. And I've tried to become more of a listener. Um, that's hard for me to do. I still will talk and I'll express my opinions and things like that, but I don't feel myself as passionate about politics or history in the same way. Um, as broadly speaking, I'm not as fire. I'm not as cagey as I once as I once was. And I think that's, to me, at least hopefully reflection of just kind of growing and learning more about the world and realizing just how complex everything is. So I'd say like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely thankful for the classes and what that's done for me. I also think just like as a person, like I've just gone through a lot in my time here, like coming in, having never been in relationships and having two pretty serious relationships and just how that shapes how I view the world, like kind of thinking more about my future, think about how I impact other people on a deeper level in a way that like guys don't really think about when they're not in a relationship and things like that. Um, and just learning more about myself in, in those relationships and after them. And I think, yeah, just my experiences generally um, have kind of lent themselves to having a more kind of introspective and kind of taking taking a step back like hey what is this really saying before and yeah i guess i hope that answers it but yeah. i think it's just like a different perspective a different way of doing it i feel like i, mean, I still say i still say stupid stuff and i i still trigger people i still do the same i'm still sam at the end of the day right but i've found myself in classes like just i'll even if a teacher like a professor saying a bunch of like really just objectively wrong things I, I i really just wait till it's something that's like a gospel issue or it's something that's that's just so wrong that it can't not be spoken to and i then approach it and i try to approach it with respect and kindness and things like that um i guess that's that's what's changed more so yeah yeah it's interesting i mean kind of going from like i came like i started i came i came to bethel i started with the podcast like i want to become a historian and like Ben Shapiro, but he's a reformed Christian and mm -hmm. yeah. let's go. I'm going to use my powers and all this stuff. And then kind of just like kind of falling from that or maybe rising to that. Like I'm going to become a social studies teacher. That's what I'm going to do. And I had a really great experience this last semester, student teaching at a classical school um, with really great students. Uh, shout out. Uh, and also just like, kind of having that opportunity to use curriculum and 
teaching as an outlet to um, pursue these ideas, pursue, pursue these concepts and these these questions we have and, and develop them with students and to really work through it. Um, and for me, that's something I'm passionate about now is I want to move into a career where I'm able to engage in these conversations and study and continue to study, which you can do as a, as a history teacher. Oh. Um, I'm really excited about that. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll return back to that more fiery side when I'm more wise down the road, right? But I'm content and happy kind of being more on the sidelines right now when it comes to these fights um, and speaking up when it's really important. Yeah. So that's my hope. Maybe I haven't grown at all in that, but at least my head, you know, wants to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> when I think to have those ideals, that's that's good in itself. Mm-hmm. But certainly, I think I've been struck by just how how long four years mm-hmm. can be, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, you go through high school and that seems true. You're growing a lot, you know, like, but you don't change that. I, my experience was I didn't change that much through yeah, high school. Me too. And I think part of that was like, I didn't have a lot of moral and religious development. I was pretty much the same person mm-hmm. in those regards. But, uh, man, four years of school, of college, deep thinking, wrestling with serious um, problems and stuff. And it's like, man, like even this semester, I have a class philosophies of love and sex. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then you're talking with friends, um, talking with my girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what Whoa. is love? You have a girlfriend, bro? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Shout out. No, anyways. <laughs> um, you're, you're talking about that stuff and it's like, this is real stuff. Mm. And you're wrestling with that. And we talk about theology mm. and we talk about, yeah, oh, this visible, invisible church distinction, blah, 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 all that stuff. You realize that this stuff applies. Um, I think that stuff shapes you more than you, than you realize sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good. Like you were saying, because yeah, it is those things you learn, but it's how that informs you and how you act. And I think your disposition in those things to kind of be, like chill about it and do your thing and stand up for truth. But it's tough when you're in this sort of environment or environment kind of anywhere. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. how, how are you going to do that? You always have to be ready to give a defense, but that doesn't mean that you have to um, raise your hand and correct this person every time. Those are, those are sort of different things. You're giving a, a defense, not an offense, you know, yeah. you're not caging your, not caging. But you're you're constantly ready and diligent to speak into these things from a Christian perspective. Yeah. Um, and willing to do so, you know, and that's and that's good also. Yeah. I guess to me a lot of this just kind of goes back to that individual level where like for me, I've been a part of this institution and I've been shaped by the institution, but as an individual and how it all just goes back to the individual. Right. Yeah. It's, I think, um, yeah. there's some dear brothers that have, I think kind of put this, I, I, I would say I have a lot of hope when I look at just some of these younger guys, mm-hmm. 
that I've had the chance oh, to interact yeah. with here at Bethel. Reform guys, they go to the North Church, a lot of them, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and at Preaching Society, some of these guys, they preach, and man, their mm-hmm. applications are always, so let's go and fulfill the yeah. Great Commission. Let's go here at Bethel. Um, some of these guys, man, they'll just go up to <laughs> a random dude, introduce themselves, <laughs> sit down with them, and start talking with them. Mm. Um, and that sort of thing, I think that's the what we're saying, what we're talking about. And I, I would say for us, um, as much as I know myself, and I would think just with how busy you are in student teaching stuff, mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing that I think we've personally lacked in yeah. is that personal one-on-one discipleship, seeking out those people, that sort of thing, because that is really the only change. That's what, we're, I mean, that's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that we haven't been a part of that. Yeah. I mean, um, you've tried in various it, when ways when it, when, it, when it arrives, but oh, also yeah. seeking those things out is I think really important yep. too. And that doesn't stop at Bethel mm-hmm. because it is, that's well, great to do that in this institution, but it's probably more difficult here in some ways, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like power to um, brothers and sisters that are doing that here. But honestly, anywhere in the workplace, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's like when you bring that light and truth and the attitude anywhere, you have those opportunities to have that, those personal discipleship to just the chance to sh- like share the gospel, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like, I mean, even when we, in the deleted episode, it's like we're talking with these two great ladies. Realize one of them is like, no, I don't, I won't call myself a Christian. I don't believe the gospel. Mm. What would you, you know, and then she asks, what would you, how would you describe the gospel? What is that to you? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked, (laughs) you know, I want to tell you, this is what it is. Yeah. You know, that we've transgressed the law in sin and that Christ took all of our sin and the wrath that we deserve for that on the cross and that he bore all of that mm. so that we might be made right with God. No matter what we've done, mm. just the deepest and the most true forgiveness and love that can ever be found and experienced in Jesus Christ. And I think... um yeah, that's, I mean, what is that comfort is that it isn't that we have to fix the institution to make that the reality, but that Christ, one by one, individually, is saving his people, even in institutions that seem broken or not as perfect as they could be. Of course they're not, because we live in a sinful and broken world. Um, but that's hard, and that's overwhelming at times, because, yeah, it's just not our work. Yeah. Um and there, there's a, an amount that you can do to that. But yeah, it's, um, I think maybe we've sobered up in that way. Maybe that's a bad term, <laughs> a bad usage of that. But it's like, hey, we've started. Now. That's okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, you have that, that element of, you start to realize what are the real goals. And the real goals are individuals accepting the gospel mm-hmm. and uh, being transformed by that and, and then sharing that news. Yeah. Remember, I used to get so annoyed when, when professors would talk about like the gospel and they'd, then they'd apply it to just like, yeah, reconciliation and we need to reconcile 
ourselves in this collectivist fashion. And not to say that Christianity isn't collectivist at times, it certainly is, but the gospel is speaking to the individual. It starts with the individual. It's a very individualistic thing in that regard. And and seeking to like to solve these issues and institutions, this lack of genuine religiosity, of genuine Christianity, if we want to bring back Christendom, if we want to establish a more Christian community of true believers, not just an ethos of Christianity, but actual genuine committed Christ followers, um, it starts with the gospel and it starts with the individual and it starts with that level of interaction. So I think, yeah, I think, I think we both sobered up to that. I know I have and, and realizing that more so where not to say the work we tried in other episodes and, and our convictions and those things, those things were, I think were true and I think they're still true today, but I think this, this newer approach and this newer view of it, that is much more calm and reflective and, and different things like that. I think that that speaks to the need for action on an individual level. Nothing can change unless we change the people that make up institutions. And for me, that motivates me to want to be a part of like a community that's, that's working towards evangelism to just building up each other and working towards making Christians and working towards just spreading the gospel and God's love. And I know these are all like buzzwords and things like that, but I think really like, yeah, until you recognize the depraved nature, your inherent depravity as a human being, um, it's really hard to make sense of why institutions are the way they are. You wouldn't be able to sit back and be like, oh, humans are imperfect necessarily, or at least have a true understanding of why that's the case, right? And we have the answer to that. We have the solution to that. Our call to action is the gospel. It's God. God fixes those things. And I think when we come to that realization and we seek to solve these issues on the individual level with the gospel, with God, that's the only way you can have a solution. And I think we've been saying that this entire podcast. I don't want to act like necessarily we were wrong. No, but I think our approach, it's adjusted. And I think that's good. Yeah, you're right. It's been more become more informed, I think, also by those things we believe. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking of like critical race theory and all those yeah. sorts of ideas that say that it's through those, you know, that group, um, so some sort of group work and that sort of thing. But no, the gospel calls the individual and it doesn't call for system change from the top down, but it's actually on the individual level um, until all things are put under Christ's feet. But it's the transforming of one single heart Mm. and then another, then another, uh, the work of the Spirit uh, in believers that really makes that real change. I think there's something there a group of us guys who've been doing a Bible study in Ecclesiastes. This will be my last thing. Uh, we talked about 
so King Solomon, he just keeps going on and on, man. We, we're like up to chapter five now. Sick. <laughs> he just keeps saying, here's this thing, and it is meaningless. Here's this thing. Wisdom, meaningless. Foolishness, meaningless. Everything, wealth, all that stuff, because at the end you're just going to die, and that stuff is all for naught. But then he says... And behold, you know, I look and I see, it's all paraphrasing, but well, I look and see, and what is good for man to do, but to eat and to drink and to enjoy his toil on the earth, the few days of his life. And what Solomon is saying and what he's showing is what is meaningful about the world is not the thing in itself, the thing as an end of itself. You know, if you drink and you do it to drink, what's the purpose in that? But when you drink because God has given you this thing to enjoy and you do it glorifying God, the one who made all things and has given all things to you, then it has that purpose. And that's true also in Bethel institutions, all those things is when you wear the Jesus loves you shirt it doesn't mean anything if that's what you're putting your stock in. But when you wear that um, or when you engage in whatever you do, that's apart from sin, whatever thing you engage in, when you do that with the purpose of glorifying God, you know, as the Westminster um, question goes, you know, what is the chief end of man? Answer. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Hmm. And that's our purpose in all things. So Amen. to really get that, that core of it, I think um, then you start to see it that way. And there's, there's hope in that stuff too. I think we used to just be down on our luck. It just like everything is just so messed up and it still is. It's no, literally yeah, all it's still pretty much is all the same, but I think our perspective on it has changed. Yeah. And I think the hope in the gospel there encourages for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's been a good run. Thanks. Yeah, it's been this, a good run, bro. This will be cool to look back on. Um, I'm not going to stop trying to produce things. I think blog posts. Um, got a buddy who has a blog. Ancient Paths Ancient Publishing. Ancient Paths Publishing. Andrew Check Wittenberg, he's X, an alumni whatever. of Anti-Folly. Can we call it that now? <laughs> Alumni, yeah, alumni, alum. He's also a Bethel alumni. He's also a Bethel alum. Um, yeah, I think. I guess said it multiple times already, but I think I think we've accomplished our goal. Um, I think this has been really good for us. I think it's been good for people that have listened to it, people that have interacted with us about it, and I hope that this has shown as a reflection of what the Westminster question is seeking. I think, I hope this has been a truth-seeking activity. I, I hope that this has been glorifying to God, and I hope that this helps people grow and helps us grow. And, yeah, I'm just really thankful. So I just want to thank you for, for listening, for, you know, waiting months on end for the next episode that just, just never oh, comes out because Ethan deleted out? it and then yeah. we finally come out with it months later. <laughs> um, but yeah. Any last words, Ethan? 
Nah, bro. That's it. See you guys. Solidea Gloria. We did it, bro. Did it, bro.